Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Basically, we're talking about, you know, being real, about living life from the inside out. You know, uh, don't, you, don't you like it when people are real with you, you know, and you don't have to wonder, you know, who they really are, but, but I'll tell you who you really are is you're a new creature in Christ. You're someone who's hooked up with the Most High God, you know, and, and um, whatever you're facing today, you know, don't be pulled away, don't be pressured to act and, you know, be somebody you're not. Be you, be real, let your true colors show. And, and uh, you know, this is like a, a, uh, something that, you know, I can't say I've arrived. Just about the time I think I've arrived, uh, you know, something will happen that, that pushes my button. Does anybody else have buttons? I, I was listening to a, a, a minister preach. It was just on a, a digital thing in there, the office one day. My, I think it was this week even. And, and he was talking about casting your cares on the Lord. And that's a, something I can hear again, you know, casting my cares on the Lord and talking about it. And he, he had some really good points about it. And honestly, at the moment I heard it, you know, I was pretty stoked. I said, preach it, brother. You got it, you know. Why did I say that? Because I felt like I was doing it. And that was here at the office. And I came home, and, and, and Dana didn't do anything. It wasn't Dana. But I got this phone call from, from someone, and I'm telling you what, it just hit me like, ah, and I, to- I totally stepped out of grace. Totally stepped into a, a, I became another person. It was Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, I always get those guys confused, whatever. But you know, it was, it was spirit man versus flesh man, and flesh man appeared. And I, you know, after about 10 minutes, I, I got collected myself, and I remember I even said to Dana, I said, man, where'd that come from? Where'd all that come from? Now, you might not have looked at it and thought I was that bad, but inwardly, I was feeling yuck. I was feeling like I didn't respond correctly. And, and, and uh, it pushed my button. So I say that to say I'm working on it too. I'm working on, you know what, in the crises of life, in the everydays of life, of letting the true colors of Jesus shine through, you know? You know, when things like that happen, too, this isn't my message. I've got a good message here. But when things like that happen, the the trouble can be this, not just that they happen, but that you don't recover, okay? That you don't get up. In Proverbs, I can't give you the reference. Some of you might know it. It says this, that a righteous man will fall seven times and he'll get up again. So, you know, no matter how many times you fall, even if it's eight, Okay, let's have faith in getting up again. Let's have faith that, man, I tell you, I'm gonna spend little time down. You know, of course, you know, my Wisconsin story in the winters, you, you slip on the ice, what do you do? You try to get up as quick as you can before any of your neighbors see you falling. You know, if you're out on the driveway going out to get the mail or something, whoo, you know, you do one of those. I don't know about you. I, I, maybe it's vanity or something, but I, I work at getting up quick before anybody sees me. Well, that isn't really the, the right motivation but I'm telling you, in regards to this, if you've missed it and, and your true colors really didn't show, someone might say, you know, someone had a, a, a fit or whatever, you know, a flesh attack. They might say, well, they're showing their true colors. 
I mean, isn't that what you think sometimes? That's not true, though. Your true colors, man, are you're born again. Your true colors are you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Your true colors are, man, I'm wall-to-wall Holy Ghost inside. You know? That's my true colors. So, man, there's, there's victory in, in just allowing that to shine. So in Colossians, just spit on my iPad. Anyway, <laughs> how does that happen? Uh, Jesus spit one time too, so hey. Colossians chapter two, reading this in the Message Bible, I just like this, we'll see how it goes. In verse six, um, he said this, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Now hold on to your seats. He says, just go ahead with what you've been given. Huh, just go ahead with what you've been given? You know, sometimes in America especially, I think, I'm not down on America, uh, you know, it's a great place to live and we've got a lot of freedoms that we sometimes take for granted. But, you know, it would seem like this, that there's people in the world that do more with less than we do with much. You know? We have this mentality sometimes in our country, and I can say that because I live here too. We have this mentality that, you know, I've just, I need to know the word better. I need to memorize 50 scriptures. I need to, you know, spend all this time studying. Now, not, nothing wrong with studying. There's nothing wrong with memorizing and all this. The truth is you're equipped. The truth is you've got stuff in you that you haven't even utilized yet. The truth is that you have the faith of God living in you right now. Jesus never said, if you have a lot of faith, you can do this. He said quite the opposite. He said, if you had just even like a grain of a mustard seed, you could rise up and do this. You know, we need to get over the mentality that we need more to do more. We just need to do more with what we have. So he says here, he says, uh, you've received Christ Jesus, the master. Now live him. Live him. He didn't say now live in him. He said now live him. Wow, isn't that amazing? Even as a new believer, even as somebody that's born again two minutes ago, you can go out and live Christ. You say, well, they don't know enough. They don't even have a Bible yet. You can go out and live them, you know? You got something in you to live out, to walk out. We need to get used to that. We need to get used to walking out what's on the inside of us, walking out what God has done in our hearts. You're deeply rooted in him, I'm reading again, You're well-constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. He goes on. He says this. He says, school's out. (laughs) This is my favorite part. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. Woo! Let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Wow, isn't that good? School's out, you know? Quit studying. Isn't that what you're a kid? That's what you just look for? School to be out? You know, the thing is, is though, is what can you apply? What can you do? You know, I don't want to just come to church and get a big head. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to just assimilate all these facts and stuff and be able to tell you all these things about even new creation stuff, which I love. But I want to say, let's come. Let's come together. Let's live our lives. Let's get full and let's go out and do it. 
You know, we could learn from Nike, just do it. That's what we ought to have as our motto, just go out and do it. Don't be afraid that you aren't, you aren't there, you aren't equipped. Sometimes, you know, God will work through you when you just don't feel spiritual at all. I've had some of the greatest miracles manifest in my own life praying for people when I felt totally unequipped. You know, didn't feel like I had, you know, enough goosebumps in me at the moment to really, you know, work up a miracle of some sort, you know? You know, I mean, sometimes I've had people come and say, pray for me, and I wanted to say, pray for me first, you know? And if it was Dana, I'd probably say that, or, you know, but I probably wouldn't say that to you. But sometimes I've prayed for people when I, I felt, like, inadequate. And God does things. Because let's get real. What can we really do? I mean, I can't repair a wing on a fly. I don't know why I'd ever want to. But, but I mean, if I wanted to, you know? If I wanted to, I couldn't do that. But God can do that. What we're talking about is getting our eyes off of flesh us and getting our eyes on, on the God who lives in us. Getting our eyes off of us focused and getting them on him focused. T.O. Osborne, one, one, if you don't know who he is, he was, he was on, when he was on the earth, one of the greatest healing evangelists that I'd ever heard of, you know, had, had hundreds of thousands of people come to his meetings and healings just like crazy. I mean, you know, you, you saw things happen if you watched a, an Osborne crusade or if you're at one. And, and uh, he said this one time, he says, it was a great day in my life when little I moved out and big Christ moved in. And what a great statement. What a great statement. Little I moved out and big Christ moved in. You know, we gotta, we gotta, you know, get rid of all this I stuff and get more of the him stuff. All right, we're talking about, really we're just talking about Christianity 101. We're talking about living out a real relationship with God. You know, as Christians, it ought not even be a big deal. We ought to have our prayers answered. We ought to have our prayers answered. We ought to be able to talk to God not in some formula, not and say, well, if I say this the right way with the right tone, no, we ought to be able to talk to God and get our prayers answered. Should be a normal occurrence. And man, I was so stoked. I, told, I went home Wednesday and I told Dana, I said, it was so cool going through Walmart. Not every time I walk through Walmart is it a good experience. No offense to Walmart. Walmart's great. I mean, towns get built around Walmarts. But, but, you know, just in my own little fleshy self, I don't always like going there and fighting a crowd and getting my can of beans or whatever, you know. But it was like, God, I was so stoked to run into Linda and just hear God working. God working, you know, answering prayers, you know. And, and, and it was just like an encouragement. And then the other day I heard Dana, oh, Dana um, called me, I think it was yesterday, telling me about something else, someone else in the church that, that had just had this huge, it seemed like a huge thing, you know? And, and uh, they, they basically said, wow, God just came through in a way I could have never figured out. I was like, praise God. I want to hear that all the time. We ought to hear it all the time. We're going to hear it all the time, you know? It's going to be commonplace, but yet we're not going to take it for granted. We're going to turn to him and say, yeah, all right, we were in James 1, and if, if you were here last week, I told you I was going to read a chunk of James chapter 1, and then I was going to come back to the first four verses. 
And so we're gonna do that today is come back to the first four verses. I'm gonna read them again and we'll see how far we get this morning. But uh, glory to God, it's not about how far we get. It's just about, you know, we wanna just do what God says, okay? So in James chapter one, I'm reading out of the Message Bible. So I've been digging the message lately. So it says, I, James, am a slave of God. And the master Jesus, am writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad to kingdom come, hello. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open, and it shows its true colors. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Really, James is just saying this. He says, man, you guys, it's the same thing we read from Paul. You've, you are equipped. You've got stuff in you. You've got the goods in you. And it doesn't matter if, if you're just, you know, hanging, things are cool in life, or if pressure's coming on you, I'm telling you, the reaction is gonna be the same. I'm gonna react from my heart. I'm gonna react from the God place. I'm gonna demonstrate God in the earth. And if trials are happening, hey, it just, it's more evident. It's more evident. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. You see, um, living this way is, is, you know, you could say it this way. It's called living by faith. Living by faith is nothing more than living from your heart. Living by faith is nothing more than demonstrating in this earth this live connection that you have with God, this relationship that you have with him. You see, this is what a Christian is. A Christian is, isn't what church you go to. A Christian isn't, you know, what's your church attendance? Not, and again, I'm not knocking church. Church is good. <laughs> you can hear heaven anywhere. Or, or Siri, yeah. <laughs> Christianity isn't just, you know, following all the right rules and knowing the right catchphrases to say. Christianity is a living relationship with the Most High God, okay? You know, it's God is real to you. God is real to you. You have this, this intimacy with Him. You share this with Him. It's not just someone that you turn to when you're in trouble. Again, nothing wrong with turning to Him in trouble. The thing is you need to stay with Him in the good days too, okay? And, and, and preferably even before the trouble comes. It should be, oh, it's just another day. This is no big thing for him. This is no big thing for God. You know, we're just gonna walk on our life like normal. I'm not gonna get upset about spilled milk. I'm not gonna cry over it. I used to work in a grocery store when I was a, a teenager in high school over in North Minneapolis, right on Plymouth Avenue. And, and uh, I remember one time over the loudspeaker, you know how they do that in the grocery store, they get on the loudspeaker, they, they, the manager got on, he says, spilled milk in aisle six. And then the assistant manager got on right behind him and said, and no one's crying over it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I appreciate that. As a Christian, you have real faith living in you. You have real faith 
living in you. I mean, if we're to give the devil any credit, which I hesitate to even do, the credit I'd say is this, that he's belittled our thinking about ourselves. He's made us feel inferior. If we've listened to those thoughts, we, we, we're pretty much paralyzed and don't want to do anything as a Christian because whatever we got isn't quite the real thing. You know, it isn't quite as good as sister so-and-so. I mean, you know, she's, she can raise the hair on the back of your neck and, you know, make your teeth rattle, you know. Uh, but, but, you know, what I got might, might, must have been plan B or grade B or something. Hey, that's the devil. That's the devil talking. And the only power he really has here in the earth is deceiving. Deceiving people. You know, his power has been stripped from him. The Bible says clearly that he is under our feet. We need to quit giving him the credit that we do, you know? So the only thing he's doing is trying to tell us lies to keep us from being effective in our simple relationship with God. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Did you guys turn there? I'm, actually, I'm, reading, I'm, I'm diverting from the message. I'm just reading this in New King James. Honestly, I didn't read it in the message. It's probably tremendous there too, but I got New King James up. It says this. You'll know this verse probably. It says this, that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. So real faith, the kind that you have on the inside of you, it works best when you walk in it day by day. You know, when you don't try to make this thing a parachute, Okay, what do you mean, make it a parachute? Well, a parachute is something you use if your plane is going down, and you jump, and you pull the ripcord, and you hope the thing opens. Isn't that the thought I've always had? If you're going to do that, don't you? Just, you'd, you'd think, I hope this thing opens. And then, then it opens, and you're like, whatever they do, I guess they do this, hold on to the ropes. That's what I'd do. Uh, not that I'm going to do it. But, uh, you know, you're like, praise the Lord, that opened. Well, that shouldn't be a, a picture of our faith walk. Okay, faith is not reserved for emergencies. Paul said it here. He said we walk by faith. We walk by faith. It's not an atom, added item in our backpack that we pull out when things get tough. No, this is daily living. And when it's daily living, trials, temptations, tests lose their power. All right? So, you know, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about these first four verses in James. So faith isn't a Band-Aid. Faith isn't blind. It's not a parachute. It's not just reserved for believing big things in your life. It's living life day by day. Faith is actually showing your true colors. Showing your true colors. A couple other versions I wanted to read. It's in the Living Bible. It says, we know these things are true by believing, not by seeing. Uh, Fred Price version. Fred Price said it this way. He says, I walked by, by faith, not by sight. He says, I walked uh, by, by the word and not things perceived with my physical senses. All right, I have to throw that in because Fred Price had a pretty good, Fred Price is a big pastor out in, in uh, Crenshaw Christian Center in the suburb of L.A., any case, uh, the Williams Bible, the Williams Bible, this is probably my favorite one. He says, for here I live by what I believe, not by what I see. Live by what I believe, not by what I see. More tuned in to the inside than we are to the outside. More tuned in 
to God than we are things out here. All right, I better move, all right? Let me just tell you this. Uh, I could give you three scriptures right now to, to, to say the same thing, but basically this. Trials and tests, temptation, pressures, they're not just for Christians, all right? Don't think this, well, if I pursue the will of God, then I'm just opening myself up for more trials and tests and temptations. Do you ever think that? Well, if I really do what God called me to do, boy, the battle will be huge. Can I tell you something? The battle's there whether you do it or not. You're just better equipped, you know, if you don't give into that kind of thinking. I mean, I've thought them kind of things. I'm not, I'm not saying that you're weird if you thought them because I think we've all had thinking like that be presented to us. Don't buy into that. Buy into your relationship with God. Buy into his power working through you every day. Every day. Um, really, what temptations, tests, pressures, all that stuff that goes on in the world, you know, it, uh, they're, they're like the rain. They fall, it falls on everybody. And all they really are is, is they're, they're something that's designed to be a distraction. A distraction to get our eyes off of God, get them on ourself, or get them on a problem, or get them on the world, okay? Uh, as we go through things on good days, on bad days, we just need to have the right perspective. All right, he's faithful. Can you say that together with me? Say, he's faithful. You know, when we're, here's, I'll just throw this out too. Uh, going through, maybe you're going through pressure right now. You know, uh, doesn't mean you can't talk to anybody about it, you know. Sometimes people, especially in our circles, have said things or thought things like this. If I'm going through something, I'm not telling a soul. I'm not going to. No, granted, I'm careful who I tell things to, okay? I don't put it on Facebook if I'm going through a problem. Whoa, whoa. Is that meddling? <laughs> well, it's all right. I'll just put it on Twitter. No, but uh, when you do share things, keep the right perspective. And, and this would be a simple thing. Make more about God than you do about the problem. Make more about him and his power than you do out the problem. Because otherwise, what happens is the, the problems become gargantuan. And God becomes small. That's why the psalmist said, magnify the Lord. You know, you really can't make him any bigger. He's already big. But you can make him bigger in how you see him. And that's really what a magnifying glass does. It doesn't really change the object. It changes your perception of that object. So keep him bigger than the problem because he is faithful. Okay, Mark 6, verse 30. And this again is Message Bible. Mark 6, verse 30. So we're talking about having God mentality. Can I say it that way? Thinking about him. Thinking about God. Naturally experiencing the supernatural to the point where the supernatural is just our natural way of living. Okay? Wow. Wow, is that Yeah, that's, that's where I'm shooting. Quote, quote Dana here again. We shoot at the moon, we'll hit the barn. We're better than shooting at the barn and hitting the dirt. Okay? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to shoot at the moon. I'm going to hit the moon one of these days. All right. Mark 6:30. Uh, I've got this is a big chunk. Can I read it? It's out of the message, so it's kind of fun to read anyway. 
So the apostles, they, they rendezvoused with Jesus and reported on all the things that they'd done and taught. Jesus said, come off by yourselves and let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going and they didn't even have time to eat. Okay, here's the scene. So they got in a boat and went off to a remote place by themselves. And someone saw them, them uh, going and the word got around. And from the surrounding towns, people went on foot running and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus arrived, he saw this huge crowd and at the sight of them, his heart broke. His heart broke. Like sheep with no shepherd, they, that's who they were. He went right, on, uh, right to work teaching them, uh, teaching them about God, teaching them about the right uh, perception in, in life, seeing heaven here on the earth, you know, things like that. You, you, know, you want to know what Jesus taught? It's recorded in the Bible. You can see his sermons, you know. They're all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, he always talked about God, and, and God's a good God. That was blowing people's mind. God's a good God? What? That's why people got mad. It was, it was shaking them up, you know? It was shaking up something they had held dear for their whole lives, probably, and now this guy's telling them something different, and that's hard. But you know what? A humble person can let go of things they've held when they see they're wrong, Okay? All right, so the disciples had gone along on, <laughs> thought this had gone on long enough. Why is that? Because they were hungry when the whole thing started. They were tired when the whole thing started, if you remember reading that. And it was now quite late in the day, and they interrupted, and they said, we're a long way out in the country, and it's very late. Pronounce a benediction and send these folks off so they can get some supper. Come on, let's get on with our program here. Jesus said, you do it. You fix supper for them. They replied, are you serious? You want us to go spend a fortune on food for their supper? But he was quite serious. How many loaves uh, of bread do you have? Take an inventory. That didn't take long, they had five. They said, plus two fish. It doesn't take long when there ain't many to count. Let me just break for a second and tell you something here. You know, there's this whole thing about tests in life. Does God test you? You know, and James, you know, we read this last week. He's very clear. Here's the differentiator. God does not, not test you with evil, okay? But God will push you to grow. And what Jesus, you know, he was teaching the multitudes, but on a higher level, he was getting those close to him saying, guys, it's time to step out of the natural and into the God realm. That's why he said to them, guys, you fix some supper. Jesus probably knew the inventory before he even asked it. You know, it didn't take much when there's five and two, you know, didn't need a calculator. But he wanted them to step into a new place of living. He wanted them to step out of the, the ordinary and the mundane and step into the God realm, okay? That's what Jesus, that's what God will do with us. Those are tests that he'll bring our way. He'll put us in positions where we've got to trust God. Yeah. Wow. You know, and like, like I've said to Dana when I've been in those situations, and she says to me, she says, well, she never calls me pastor at home, thank God. She says, but I've heard her say this to me, well, pastor, it's time to practice what you preach. And I look at her and I say, oh my God, has it come to that? <laughs> God will do that to you. He'll put you in positions where you have to trust him where you have to turn to him. And he does this because he wants us to live in that place of trust. 
five and two. Jesus got them to all sit down in groups of 50 or a, or 100, and they looked like a patchwork quilt of wildflowers spread out on the green grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to his disciples, and the disciples in turn gave it to the people. He did the same with the fish, and they, after they all had their fill, the disciples gathered 12 baskets of leftovers, and more than 5,000 were at the supper. Again, this is what Jesus told them to do. He said, you guys get, get this thing rolling. Um, going on. As soon as the meal was finished, Jesus insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead across to Bethsaida while he dismissed the congregation. After sending them off, he climbed, into, uh, climbed up on a mountain to pray. You know, there's some talk. It says, you know, the word that is used here when it says he insisted, you know, it was like he had to persuade them to get in the boat. Now, there's different reasons that people have thought that why he had to, pers- you know, persist in telling them they had to go. You know, maybe some might say, well, they just didn't want to leave Jesus. They wanted to hang with him. But the thing is, too, is that in this 12, there were some seasoned fishermen who knew weather, who knew storms, and probably looked at the lake and said, I don't know if it's such a great time to get in a boat. But Jesus insisted, nonetheless, he said, get in the boat and go on to Bethsaida. And he climbed a, a mountain to pray. And, and Jesus, man, he does it all, man. Climbs, feeds the multitude, then he goes, climbs a mountain. And he was tired to begin with all this. I'm not saying you should wear yourself ragged. I'm saying Jesus is a good example, though of living life. Late at night, the boat was far out at sea and Jesus was still by himself on the land and he could see the men struggling with the oars, the wind having come up against them. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. He intended to go right by them. What's up with this Jesus man? He's just gonna walk all the way to the other side? He didn't even intend to get on the boat. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they screamed, scared out of their wits. I like the way he puts that. They're scared out of their wits. I'd say they'd stepped from the supernatural back into the natural. They'd gone from feeding, you know, even though Jesus' first intention at the the gathering of the 5,000 plus was that the disciples have the power of God solely work through them and, and, and distribute the food and feed the multitude. Even though that didn't happen, Jesus still used them in a mighty way. Can you imagine if you'd been there and been, you know, Bartholomew or, you know, Thomas or somebody, and, and you know, you're sitting years later telling your grandkids about it, said, man, should have saw the day, man. There's five, there's more people than I could even count, you know? And, and, and God worked through me in such a way that the fish and, and the, the loaves were multiplied and everybody was fed and there was leftovers to boot. I mean, wouldn't that be a story to tell for generations? Power of God working in them. Now they're out in the boat and they see somebody walking on the water who turns out to be Jesus and they're scared out of their wits and they screamed. They screamed. He says, uh, all right, well, what I wrote down is this, is our quest, our quest in life is to see Jesus every day in every situation. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, he said, it's me, don't be afraid. And as soon as he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And they were stunned, shaking their heads, wondering what was going on. 
and they didn't understand what had been done at the supper. None of them, uh, none of this had yet penetrated their hearts. Now, I'm going to switch over from the message to the King James for just a moment. This is what it says in the King James Version, New King James. In verse 51, it says, Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed at themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Huh. Isn't that rather harsh? Their heart was hardened. What do you think of when you think of a hardened heart? I mean, I think of Pharaoh. I think of this, this wicked ruler whose heart was just, you know, blatantly hard against God, the people of God, and even his own people, that he'd put them through such misery time and time again. But here the words are used with the disciples who are walking with Jesus, and, and it says this about them. It says, they didn't understand about the low. Okay, they, they, what he's talking about here is they, they freaked out on the water, seeing Jesus walk on the water, and then it says they didn't understand about any of these things. They didn't understand about the lows because their heart was hardened. You know, again, I think of someone running from God. I think usually when I think of a hardened heart, I think of someone that's living in some kind of terrible sin. They've just, they've grown callous to the things of God. But the truth is, Jesus, you know, in, in the writer of this gospel, Holy Ghost, pulled out this word to talk about people that slip from the supernatural to the natural at the blink of an eye. Ouch. That was me this week. Sitting there getting all pumped up, listening to cast my cares on the Lord. And then all of a sudden I get one phone call. One button gets pushed and I'm like, whatever the creepy one was of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I became that momentarily. Because you know why? Because my heart was hard. Wow. Pastor, what are you saying here? I'm just reading the Bible. What are you saying? <laughs> God's calling us to new places, to new levels. Hardened hearts aren't, you know, they could be about sin, but this isn't what it's talking about here by any stretch of the imagination. A hardened heart in this case is just somebody who, who minimized God's power in their own life. Even in the midst of a storm, you know, because that's what these guys were in. These were fishermen on a boat in a storm, and they minimized the power of God. You know, um, they'd seen a miracle one minute, been used in the miracle one minute, and the next minute, they're screaming, and as Peterson put it, scared out of their wits <laughs> because their heart was hard. Let me just read on because it's too good to not read. 53, it says, they beached the boat at Gennesaret and tied up at the landing. And as soon as they got out of the boat, word got around fast and people ran this way and that, bringing their sick on stretchers to where, the, where they heard he was. And wherever he went, village, town, or country, crossroad, they brought their sick to the marketplace and begged him to let them touch the edge of his coat. That's all. And whoever touched him became well. I mean, that part I could have left out, but it was just so cool I had to read it because it's, it's, it's in the gospel. It's Jesus. Jesus, it's Jesus doing life. One minister said this, and I, I, I'll say it this way too. The way you do life is the way you do faith. Okay? Faith is not this, this, this again, something you pull out of the bag when you need it. 
The way you do life is the way you do faith. God's calling us to live the high life, to walk with him, to recognize him in every situation, to not belittle his power, but to magnify it in our own lives, and even how he is gonna use us in this world. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.